podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. It is now 2021. It is January 2021. Folks, we made it. 2020 is behind us. We have been absent for a little while. Uh, The holidays kind of hit us, and we also had an opportunity to travel and visit with some grandchildren and also have a family member in the hospital. So we've had some other things that have taken our attention. We've missed you, but we're back, and we want to get back into our podcast, and we appreciate all of your support and your listening. Uh, We're hearing from some of you, and we appreciate that, and we hope that you'll give us five-star reviews every time you get a chance. So today, Mark, what are we talking about? We're talking about why you need your ham radio license if you have a radio for SHTF. Okay, so let's just review quickly. Uh, We've actually got a lot of first-time listeners that may not still yet be familiar with ham radio, also known as amateur radio. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's just, it's another two-way system. Ham radio's been around for many, many, many years, and it started out with Morse code. There is no Morse code requirement today for any license level. And it's a great way to communicate for long distances through repeaters. We were listening, uh, coming in back in a little bit ago, we were listening to the ham radio and there were two guys carrying on conversation and they were about 75 miles apart. Mm-hmm. And they were they were loud and clear. They were loud and clear. It's a great way to communicate. A lot of preppers have bought ham radio particularly Beofang UV5Rs, and their plan is to have them if they need them. But we're going to advocate that you need to go ahead and get that license and learn what you're doing. After all, if you are a first-time gun buyer, you'd never owned a gun, never fired a gun, you would not buy a gun and a box of ammo and throw it in the closet and say, I'm ready if SHTF hits you would want to take that out, get some training, learn what you're doing, learn how to load it, learn how to make it safe, learn how to fire it. Uh, Same goes with ham radio. When the need arises, uh, that's not the time to be trying to learn to use it. Well, that's just common sense. I mean, think about it. None of us are born knowing how to drive, knowing how to operate machinery. We have to learn these skills. We have to train on these types of things and you need to become quite familiar with ham radio because in an emergency situation you don't have time to crack open a manual you may not have power so you can't crack open the internet you're going to need to train you're going to need to learn familiarize yourself with where the buttons are what needs to be on do you hear that helicopter or airplane there there's a I don't know if that's going to come through or not. Uh, We've got quite a bit of background noise going on here in the podcast studio today, but that's okay. We're just going to press on forward. That's one of those egg beater helicopters coming across that you can feel it more than you can hear it. (laughs) Right. You know, you had mentioned about prepper groups. We have, uh, over the holidays, we have become members of a number of new prepper groups, or we're new to us anyway, not new groups, but uh, various groups across the country and across the globe. Now, specify that that is not members of physical groups, right. but that is social, social media, media groups. Exactly, like prepper groups that are on social media. There are several, many, quite a lot. 
And we have found the discussions to be lively. And both Mark and I have been a little astonished and actually kind of pleasantly surprised at the number of curiosity questions and interesting statements made regarding ham radio, amateur radio. A lot of folks are in the know. I consider Mark to be an extraordinary valuable source of information on ham radio as he's been involved in it for a number of years and is quite experienced. A lot of folks out there, frankly, just don't have a lot of the facts. And we would just like to maybe clear some things up. Well, one of the statements that we keep reading and people are saying, you don't need a ham radio license because, and then they follow that with a number of statements. Mm -hmm. Because we we want to address some of those statements tonight. What's the first one you've noticed? Well, I've read where people say, well, if you're in a true emergency situation, you do not need a license to speak on ham radio. So, Mark, that is that is true. Break that down for us. That is true. The FCC regulations say that anyone can transmit on any frequency in a true life and death emergency when no other form of communication is available. So it's not like you can have a declared emergency because of a hurricane halfway across the country, and a lot of people think that if there's a declared emergency, they can talk on it. No, you can't. It is only to get help when life or property is in peril and no other means of communication is available. Right. And the FCC is very serious about that. If you're transmitting on a ham radio without a license, your emergency had better be verifiable. It had better be local. You'd better have credible information. Because, I say it like this. Know. Something better be sticking out or running out. Yes. Um, <laughs> And most people with good common sense can can pull those facts together and realize what we're talking about here. Just like what Mark said, if they declare a hurricane emergency in the Gulf and you're in Seattle, that does not give you now permission to speak on ham radio without a license. No. So I hope that we have certainly cleared that up, that the bearing of a license is quite serious and the FCC takes it very seriously. They do. And ham radio is self-policed and there are volunteer monitors that do monitor for violations. You can get a letter in the mail saying, don't do that again. Mm -hmm. And if you do that again, you'll get another letter in the mail that says something like, show up at this location on this date and time. And by the way, bring your checkbook because there's going to be a fine. Right. And there's no reason to violate. Nope. The FCC is, has a lot of latitude and they're very gracious in this regard. And ham radio appreciates doing things the right way and by the rules. And right. so they don't appreciate anybody wanting to come in there and throw a monkey wrench into it. We don't want it to go the way CB radio went at one time mm-hmm. when it was opened up and you couldn't listen to it with your children in the car. FCC regulations are very strict on that. No profanity on the radio. No vulgarity. No, no vulgarity. obscenity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're just not and so it's a, it's a very clean, fun family hobby. The next statement that I have been seeing is that after SHTF, there won't be anyone coming after you for transmitting. Okay, so yeah, they're thinking that at that point, a complete and utter breakdown in all government agencies and in all law enforcement. Right, and in a total grid down situation where we lose the rule of law, 
And that could be a, an attack on the electrical grid or on the phone system or an EMP or a CME or something that puts us without civilization for some period of time. Okay, and for the uninitiated listener, if you would go back and explain and define EMP and CME. I knew she was going to do that every time <laughs> I put an acronym in. She has me explain it. It's EMP, the teacher in me. <laughs> EMP, electromagnetic pulse. That can be from a high-altitude nuclear explosion from a friendly nation like Iran or North Korea. You know, somebody could decide to take out our power grid. A friendly nation. Yeah, okay. friendly nations. Uh, wink. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, CME is when the sun decides to do the same thing to the side of the earth facing the sun. Coronal, Coronal mass ejection. ejection. Right. And it's just sending out massive radio waves that will damage our infrastructure. And we see this, and we saw it in the 1800s. Not that I was there personally, <laughs> but in the 1800s, the Carrington event when... It was not noticed by many other than the teletype operators when it set the teletype wires on fire, the mm. tops of some of the poles, and they noticed that they were able to hear messages when they were powered off. So experts disagree in what we would actually be looking at in both an EMP and a CME, but it would be throwing us back into the early 1900s, late 1800s, probably. Well, and back to the to particular topic, that the thing about I can transmit uh, messages on the radio without a license, in a grid-down situation or in a true extreme emergency such as what we have described, that does not automatically give one the license to start breaking the rules. Well, what's <clears throat> being discussed here is that after... This type of a grid situ grid down situation, we lose the rule of law. This is when we're going to be having to fend off hordes of marauders and things like that. Uh, th mm -hmm. This is when we've lost all law. And it's very oh. true mm -hmm. that there won't be anybody coming looking for you at that point in time. But I think that you've got bigger problems oh, maybe than you got the a, transmission of a radio you got message. a lot bigger problems, but we're going to bring this back in in just a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, okay. kind of explain why you really need to go ahead and have that situation. What's the next one? Uh, the next one I really found fascinating to, to read about it because I have actually read conversations between persons who say, oh, I don't want to be on a government list or the government will know where you are. Now, here's what amuses me about that. You're already on a government list somewhere. You know, if you work, if you pay taxes, if you have a driver's license, if you own any property, uh, a boat, a house, a car, real estate, land. If you even participate in prepper sites and discussions, you might be on a prepper. You're going to be a watch on list there. It's not that you're on a watch list. It's that you're already in the government system, and if they truly wanted to watch you, they're already watching. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, that's not the argument that's going to hold any water about, well, I don't want to be on a list if I have a ham radio license. Well, you're already on a list. So, and ham radio doesn't cause a lot of problems as far as the no, government needing no. to watch you. No, it, it it's not at all. 
but if you frequent some prepper sites, some particular prepper sites, if you use certain search terms, I'm pretty sure you're going to get on a list. What of, search terms? Like overthrowing the government. Okay. Or how to hijack an aircraft. Ooh. Or how to make a bomb. Ooh. Things yeah. like that may not just get you kicked off Facebook, but <laughs> get you put on the government yeah. watch yeah. list. You just have some common sense, people. Realize right. that, you know, you need to live and, and, and search things in such a way that you realize that other eyes and ears are on you. Yeah, if you're going to search those terms, use somebody else's computer. Oh, don't don't say that. Why? <laughs> because that's just that's not good. That's not good advice. That's opsec. So if if you feel that that having a ham radio license is going to somehow put you on some sort of subversive, secretive, schemey list that the there's going to be a knock on your door, please don't worry about that. If that were the case, ham radio would not have grown and flourished to the extent that it does now. I mean, literally millions of people the world over are in and joining every day the ham radio, amateur radio world. And they're doing so with quite a bit of liberty and freedom because they are following the rules and they are experiencing a lot of freedom at being able to communicate around the planet and even up to the space station. Yes, and that's on my bucket list for this year, to make contact with the International Space Station. That'd be awesome. I'm downloading awesome. a program that tells you when it comes across your area, and that's just one of my goals for this year. I don't know why. I just want to do it. Well, I also think it's a, a part of exercising our liberty and our freedom as Americans to be a ham radio operator. The government actually works with us, and it's not a problem at all to abide by the regulations that are put forth by the FCC because they're good regulations and they work. And they're not to restrict us. They're they're to keep the hobby clean and to accessible. keep it accessible mm -hmm. and productive. Now, ham radio is not where you get on there and rant and rave about the current administration or upcoming administrations or you didn't like what this politician did or didn't do. It's not about that. And when we're talking internationally, uh, we call it DX, long distance. You're talking general things, pleasantries, talk about ham radio. Cultural things. Cultural things. You know, you're making friends across the globe. Exactly. And so, you know, if you make a friend, be a friend. It's kind of, we learned that in kindergarten. We need to keep doing that. Okay, let's move on. Here's another one that I've seen, and this comes usually from the keyboard warriors that say, I don't care about the law. I'll just do what I want when I want it. If I bought it, I can use it. Oh, I see. Yes. It doesn't quite work that way in the real world. Well, in the real world, the way it works is if you don't have a ham radio license, you're going to have a hard time finding operators to talk to. Well, that's true because we, they're abiding by the rules and they expect we, you to do the same. We may start out acknowledging you, but it doesn't take but a minute or two to figure out you're not licensed. And when we figure that out, we just bow out. Except in an emergency. Now, in a true emergency, ham radio operator will go to the ends of the earth to try to help get you some help, get medical attention, whatever it is that you need. Even if it's roadside assistance, uh, they'll be glad to do that. Now, that's roadside assistance is talking about a licensed operator. We'll go to the ends of the earth to try to help you. But if you're not licensed, we're generally not going to talk to you. Now, also, the FCC can find and they will find unlicensed people for operating. 
And I've even heard some prosecuted and given jail time when they continued to operate illegally. Mm -hmm. And the same thing when they intentionally cause interference with other stations. That's a no-no as well. Now, when you say interference, you're talking about physical... Actual. I'm talking about when somebody else is talking and you key the mic and hold the mic down. Um, oh, yeah. Those kinds of things. Disrupting the. You're disrupting the it. You're covering other people up and just generally being a jerk to other <laughs> folks. Just don't be that guy. Okay. Yeah. Now, somebody says, well, they won't find me. Uh, yes, we will. Yeah. <laughs> we practice that kind of stuff and uh, it's called fox hunting and we do it for fun. And what we do to do that is we put a hidden transmitter somewhere. And when I say hidden transmitter, often it is a person talking on a radio and they'll talk for one minute out of every 10 minutes, licensed people. You don't know where they are. They're operating simplex. And the rest of us are out there with homemade direction finding little handheld Yagi antennas. Hmm. And actually you make them out of a tape measure. It's fun to do, and you can roll them up when you're through, and it's just a Yagi made out of a one-inch tape measure. That's science, kids. Yes, science. it's science. Follow the science. And you can triangulate where that is, and you can get down into the neighborhood, and you can narrow it down to the house that it's coming from. So what you're doing is you're actually, you're. it's kind of almost like a scavenger hunt. Well, it's not a scavenger hunt. You're... You are seeking and finding the hidden transmitting person. Right. And then, like, what do you win? <laughs> There's just the bragging rights? <laughs> well, no. When we're doing fox hunts, yes, mm-hmm. you get the bragging rights. I found it in X number of minutes, and, you know, you've got the quickest time mm-hmm. that uh, you were able to locate it. But now it has a very practical application. If you've heard of the law enforcement Operation Lifesaver, when they put the bracelets on autistic kids, special mm-hmm. needs kids. Some of them wear an ankle device. An- it can be ankle, mm-hmm. it right. can be wrist. And when they wander off, one of us goes by and picks up the tracking equipment. And we go out there and we do this very same thing, triangulating where their location is. Mm-hmm. And you just need to get in two points and shoot a plot across there, plot it on a map and say, hey guys, that person is located in this area and you'll narrow it down fairly close. That's tremendous. And it happens quite regularly. Uh, while we were gone, there was a lady that had wandered off and was missing for a day and a half. Mm. And they found her alive, and, and she did not have a tracking device. They had to find her the old-fashioned way. Oh, wow. Dogs and walking through the woods. That's amazing. But the discussion was, what I understood, is that they're going to put a bracelet on her mm-hmm. so that if she does mm-hmm. this again, they'll be able to find That's her. That's tremendous. That is, that's tremendous. So now with this fox hunting capability, are you saying that this, they also can use this capability to to track and locate an infraction, a violator? Yes, exactly. All Uh, right. So that for those of you that think I'm going to try this for fun and get away with it. uh, No, you won't. you, You cause enough trouble. Yeah. We're going to have a fox hunt. Right. Not a problem there. Okay. So that pretty much kind of covers the legality of why a license is both required and necessary. You need a license to drive, and uh, you need a license for ham radio. It's just that simple. 
Well, here's some reasons why you really need to get that ham radio license now. Not just buy gear, throw it in the bag, and say, I've got it if I need it. Mm. It's kind of like buying a bow drill. Bow drill, they can be used to start fire. I wouldn't want to depend on one. I certainly wouldn't throw one in the bag and say I'm covered because I have never started a fire with a bow drill. Oh, yeah. It's probably the hardest way. <laughs> and there's too many other options. And yeah. as long as Bic sells lighters, I'm not going to be using a bow drill. Smart. Yes, I have some alternative methods, but my top two are Bic lighters and matches. It just makes sense. That's the two easy ones. Of and course. And ASAP doesn't necessarily mean as soon as possible. It's as simple as possible Absolutely. in my book. So big lighter and matches, my first two. Yes, I carry a ferro rod and striker, uh, as you do too. Mm-hmm. And But they're not as easy to start a fire as you can start with a big lighter. Okay, so let me pose the question to you. Like you were saying, if I have gone out and I've bought a ham ra- handheld ham radio and I throw it in a drawer, would that be like saying if I want to call myself a gun owner and I go out and I legally purchase a firearm and a box of ammunition and I come home and I put them in a drawer in the middle of a complete emergency, is that the time for me to try to figure out how to learn how to load and shoot this thing? Nope. Nope. And it's just the same thing with ham radio. Um, That's why you've gone out and practiced with yours. Exactly. And I'm going to keep practicing. There's really no point at which you stop training right. on a ham radio or on a firearm if, you're, if you've chosen. And again, let me just reiterate, we're not suggesting that you have to have a firearm to be a proper practical prepper. We're saying that that's a choice that we have made. It may be a choice that you have to face. And whatever you choose that's right for you, man, we're all about it. And we're not even saying you have to have a ham radio. No. What we're saying is if you have a ham radio, you need to go ahead and get the license. And here's some reasons why. One, so you can learn, practice, and test what works. Yes. Not everything that you're going to try is going to work. Exactly. There's going to be a lot of people, and I've, I've discussed this with several folks. People buy these, and they buy the Bayo Fang. They pay $30 for it, and they think they can work the world. You know, we were talking about uh, this very thing with Don Keith, the author that was on the podcast a little while back, author of Hunter Killer. Hunter Killer, he, right. he was author of Hunter and Killer. And Colors of Character, yes. another and, film that we saw. And has another Hunter Killer book releasing about now. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about anyway, that a little bit later. We were talking, <clears throat> and what Don brought up was expectations. And people expect to buy a $30 handheld ham radio that comes with a crap piece of antenna. And that's just my opinion of the stock antennas that come with handheld radios. And they expect to be able to talk six, eight hundred miles off of them. And it's just not going to happen in a grid down situation. Now, there are some ways that you can talk thousands of miles with that handheld, but you're going to be using a repeater that's linked to the Internet. Well, Mark, there's something else that has come up, especially with some of the uninitiated or very, very new folks that are just exploring and investigating ham radio. They're under the impression that a ham radio is exactly like the devices you can buy at, um, you know, the outdoor man type stores oh, that, the, that are a single channel. You turn them on, you talk. Well, they're the FRS and some of them are GMRS, the family radio service and the general mobile radio service. They have their place. Mm-hmm. They do. The FRS radios, to be legal, they cannot have an interchangeable 
antenna, so you get what it comes on, and it's not one that screws on. It's built on it, mm-hmm. and 2 watts is the maximum you can use, except on channels 8 through 14, you're limited to a half a watt. And so you're not going to get but a mile or two at the most out of those radios. That's what I call the Disney World radio. When you've gone somewhere with the family and you're going to be somewhat close in proximity or car to car if you're fairly if close. You're driving. Those are useful for that. But a ham radio, how many frequencies can you get on a ham radio? Oh, that's almost infinite because you can dial it. It's not channels okay mm-hmm. it's not like frequencies it, it, it's, it's frequencies. frequencies it's not like and you didn't you said frequencies you didn't say channels but i'm mm-hmm. trying to clear it up okay it's not like you click over to the next one all right in ham radio now on two meter and 70 centimeter you do that but you can get in between two frequencies mm-hmm. it's digital so i mean can, it's a digital well, you yeah. digital readout, readout. digital mm-hmm. radio is a different animal mm-hmm. but you can like the national call frequency, 146.520, that's 520 above the frequency. You see what I'm talking exactly, about? Exactly, right. And so you can go 146.5354. You can mm-hmm. do 146.545. If you want to, exactly, you Mm -hmm. steps in there anywhere you want to go. So it's just totally fluid across there. So you actually have to locate a frequency. You have to, or, or, and I know what what I'm leading up to is, you can program your radio, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what to to clear it up for those that think that a walkie-talkie single-channel blister pack device and a handheld ham radio are identical. In the way that they operate, they are as far apart as night and day. Exactly. About the similarities between them, they both have an antenna, an on and off switch, and a push to talk. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, it's a totally different uh, animal altogether. Now, not saying that the CB, the FRS, um, the GMRS, or even the MURS, the multi-use radio system, they're all good. And they all have their place. But the whole point of today is if you have the ham radio, go on and get the license. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And one is that you begin to learn what you're doing and you begin to test uh, what you're doing while you're practicing. A lot of people are finding that the antenna that comes with the radio is not sufficient to hit some repeaters that they would want to hit. And so, I don't know, I've done this a hundred times in different uh, Facebook groups, other social media groups that I have recommended an upgraded antenna. Now, my personal preference, and right here behind us right now, we have Nagoya and we have Diamond antennas on our walkie-talkies. Now, I would have to look around. I know I've got the stock antenna somewhere, but they're in a drawer. And <laughs> well, you know, we're not using them because we're, we're definitely we're using the using upgrades. Because, uh, and actually, on the one that I was carrying this afternoon has the Nagoya, the genuine Nagoya 701, NA 701. It's an 8 inch ham radio antenna cut for the ham band, and it's got 2.5, I think, it may be 2.1 dB. 
And that's gain. That's improvement over no gain at all. Exactly. The short explanation is that the more gain you've got, that acts like you were increasing the power. It basically kind of gives you more of the can you hear me now, yes I can kind of ability. 3 dB gain, if I remember correctly, is like doubling the power of the radio. So you want as much gain as you can get on that radio. Now, you mentioned a repeater. Can you briefly tell us again, what is a repeater and why is one so beneficial for ham radio operators? Okay. Repeater is a radio that receives and transmits or retransmits simultaneously. Your handheld radio is transmitting on frequency A and receiving on frequency B. Right. I'm making that up. Yeah, two frequencies. You could call it frequency one, frequency two, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not a set frequency. Each repeater is a different frequency. The repeater, since you're transmitting on A, it's listening on A. And what it hears on A, it retransmits on B so that yours hears it on B. Exactly. It's like a it's a partnership. It's a if partnership. You will. It takes two frequencies. Mm-hmm. You program both into your radio. They're already programmed into the repeater and it listens and retransmits simultaneously and it greatly increases your distance, especially over uh, with a handheld. From the house here we can hit Montesano Mountain, very high mountain with repeaters on it. And can talk 75 to 100 miles away. And we can just step out the back door and use a handheld and do that and talk to somebody that distance away. Mm -hmm. Somebody that we could not begin to talk with if we weren't using a repeater. Yeah, no walkie-talkie will do that. (laughs) No FRS, GM, well, GMRS can actually use repeaters. Okay. But you're not going to do it on simplex, Mm radio-to-radio with a handheld at that kind of distance. So gotcha. repeater is just another option. But repeaters are something that you need to practice, you need to learn, and you need to test. Test your equipment. Number one, did I get my programming right? I have had everything programmed in, not be able to talk on a repeater, and just get frustrated and come to find out I had the wrong PL tone. I don't really know what PL stands for. I call it private listening, but the repeater is listening for that sub-audible tone to open up, to Mm -hmm. let that transmission go through. And I've had the wrong one in there, and so it never would open the repeater. Kind of like when I was trying to program those universal TV remotes, and you have to plug in a certain code to get your TV to answer into the remote. And until that remote recognizes that code, it won't make it operate. That's correct. The only thing here is I know how to program a ham radio. I get a teenager to, to, to do the remote. I mean, I just, they, that's like the old VHF. <laughs> that's just VHF. the way it is today. That's like programming the old VHF uh, VCR on the TV. Get your grandkids to do it. They'll know how. <laughs> right. But, um, right. You need to test. You need to find out what works, what doesn't work. Do I need a better antenna? Do I need to redo my programming? Do I need to look for closer repeaters? Can I hit the repeater that I want to hit? That's a lot of the things that are going on. And one of the things that you find out is you may need an outside antenna. That's not hard to do. I mean, you can make them out of TV 
lead. You can make them out of uh, copper tubing. You can make them out of aluminum pipe. And some of the, they make a roll-up J-pole, which is basically made out of the TV lead. And you throw a line over a limb and you pull that thing up in a tree and you hook the coax to your radio and you just greatly increase your distance, even on simplex. And you know something else, too. If some of what we're talking about just seems to be flying over your head, but you still really want to pursue ham radio, licensed ham radio operation, there are any number of clubs, meetings, people, volunteers, online resources, computer resources. I mean, this is a modern-day hobby that has many, many, many people that will absolutely come up alongside you and they will guide you literally every step of the way and they're not going to shame you because you don't know anything because, hey, everybody started somewhere. Right. Uh, do not at all be be the least bit uh, reluctant to look up into your county area or your vicinity, your region, and find out where are the ham clubs meeting and go meet these people. Just go and attend, introduce yourself, and find out a little bit of what they're doing because they are happy to share their knowledge, their experience with you. It will greatly improve your knowledge and your skill level to come up alongside a mentor that can walk with you every step of the way. It's good for them and it'll be good for you. Absolutely. And the whole point of tonight is that we're encouraging you, if you have that radio or if you're considering getting one, go ahead and get the license. There's just too many benefits to it and everything else is just an excuse. Email us. We'll be glad to help. Uh, we'll help you find somebody in your area, help you find an ARIES group, or we'll work with you uh, through email or through uh, the our Facebook, website. through our website or through our Facebook or any way or that we books. can. Uh, well, it's hard to interact through the books. Well, it's um, it, yeah, okay. Although <laughs> Making Contact During Emergencies is a good book for hikers and those that are in the backwoods, uh, gives you some opportunities, talks a lot about ham radio in there. And it's available on Amazon, as is our second book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People. And it, too, covers a good bit of ham radio. But our encouragement is to get that license, practice, because when the need arises, it might be too late. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. And please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping, email at info at practicalprepping.info, and our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.